Thank you. One of the practices I began on sabbatical, as sporadic as my practices can be, is to write down, when possible, a description of my dreams, or at least those pieces that I remember upon waking. Because morning after morning, in the midst of brushing my teeth and shaving and making coffee and reading, morning after morning, I would have this sort of nagging thought that something very rich, maybe, or at least very interesting or very strange, was floating at the very edges of my consciousness, something I had experienced, a journey I had undertaken. But as I moved further into my daily routine, it grew ever more distant, leaving only subtle hints as circumstances or objects in the waking world seemingly corresponded to something that had appeared in the dream that I now, so firmly caught in the responsibilities of the day, had no hope of recreating in whole or even in part, left only with this nagging sensation that I had been on a journey that was now, alas, lost to me. So I sit at times when circumstances allow, and when I have retained some fragments of my dreaming existence, I sit and write down what I can remember. And it strikes me that a similar thing occurs in my waking life. I often have this nagging thought that something very rich, maybe, or at least very interesting and often very strange is floating on the fringes of my conscious mind, something I am experiencing and yet am not quite experiencing, a journey I am on and yet here I am, here I am in my daily routine and yet there are subtle hints that there is more than I am allowing myself to take in. So firmly caught am I in the responsibilities of the day, the places I need to go, the things I need to do, the taking off of one thing and another, including, oh my goodness, the sermon I need to write about beauty and wonder and awesomeness, so much to do that I have no time to follow this trail that beckons to pursue this nagging thought to float for a time on the fringes of my conscious mind to know Indeed, that I am on a journey no matter how firmly planted I feel in the everydayness of every day. My wife, Hanji, loves to take photographs, and there was one I remember of this beautiful tree and this stunning landscape of rolling hills. And I was trying to remember when we had recently traveled out of town where she was able to capture this shot. Where is this? I asked in all sincerity. It's at the end of the block, she replied. (laughs) Meaning the block we lived on, meaning the block I saw every single day. 
I did not doubt the veracity of her claim, yet I had to go outside and verify this for myself. How could it be on this block, I wondered? There was the tree at the end of the block, yes, but there were also cars and houses and roads and sidewalks and street signs. I held my phone with her picture, looked back at the tree, and then raised my head. Not dramatically, just leaned it slightly back, and I saw it. It was right there all the time, of course, but I had been moving in the frame of the everyday. This image was available to me by simply raising my head. We gaze up in wonder above to the sky. It was beautiful, of course, and it was also a little disorienting, just a little frightening. I thought of how long those hills had been there of the age of that tree. The everydayness of my everyday seemed to be suddenly just a tiny little scurrying in something much vaster, wider, deeper than I might ever fathom that was always there. And I felt that vulnerability that comes with stepping for just a moment outside my own self-absorption. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who we heard from last week, courtesy of Reverend Julia Hamilton. Emerson described the feeling this way in his 1836 address entitled Nature. Crossing a bear common in snow puddles, at twilight under a clouded sky without having in my thoughts any occurrence of special good fortune, I have enjoyed a perfect exhilaration. I am glad to the brink of fear. Standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blithe air and uplifted into infinite space, all mean egotism vanishes. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal being circulate through me. I am part or particle of God. I see something new in that passage every time I read it. And who doesn't want to be a transparent eyeball after all? (laughs) But to me, it captures that feeling of an awareness that rests on the fringes of consciousness suddenly taking center stage. I am glad to the brink of fear. What is it about those moments? I feel at once deeply connected and extremely vulnerable. That, for me, is awesome. To be directly in touch with the realization that I am alive, which sounds silly, I know, but I fear I live a lot of my life without that deep awareness that I am alive. That is why writers and artists and poets and painters and preachers and teachers all through the ages have tried to remind us of the simple fact that we are alive. And most of us, 
spend a good portion of our lives out of touch with that simple realization. It is why Reverend Victoria Safford poses our reality as a hypothetical. What if there were a universe, a cosmos, which began in shining blackness out of nothing, out of fire, out of a single silent breath, and into it came billions and billions of stars? What if there were a universe in which a world was born out of a smallish star and into that world at some point flew red-winged blackbirds and into it swam sperm whales and into it bloomed crocuses and into it blew wind to lift the tiniest hairs on naked arms in spring? What if? What if that were the case? It is why Gordon McKeeman instructs us to address a mystery. The mystery being, of course, life itself instructs us to address a mystery reverently with a sense of awe, a feeling of approaching the powerful holy whose lightning slashes the sky, whose persistence splits concrete with green sprouts, whose miracles are present in every place and every moment. It is why our hymns call us to sing praises for each morning and remind us that there is wonder above, below, and a whole world of wonder inside. Because we, because I wander away from that awareness, that realization of existence, even as I am existing, leaving me with that nagging thought that something very Rich, interesting, strange, sometimes frightening, is floating on the fringes of my conscious mind, something I am experiencing and yet am not quite experiencing, a journey I am on and yet here I am firmly planted in the everyday. And I think I wander away from that awareness, not only because I become submerged in the busyness of life, but sometimes on purpose. I am reluctant to return to that awareness of awesomeness because it can make me feel unsettled, vulnerable, even frightened. I resist being glad to the brink of fear. It feels risky to engage with the journey I am undoubtedly on, and lose the sense of security that comes with the illusion of being firmly planted in the everyday. Our old friend Ralph Waldo Emerson also wrote this. Our warm, commodious houses and spacious towns are built on a planet swimming unpiloted in the frightful hollows of space. Let me repeat that. Our warm, commodious houses and spacious towns are built on a planet swimming unpiloted in the frightful hollows of space. You won't find that on a Hallmark card. (laughs) But wow. And it never quite made it into the lyrics of one of our hymns, Blue Boat Home. But it's there too, isn't it? Though below me I feel no ocean, though I am convinced I am on dry land, solid ground, I know better. 
I know that I've been sailing all my life now. Never harbor or port have I known. The wide universe is the ocean I travel, and the earth is my blue boat home. We're not singing that today, but we will soon, I promise. (laughs) It's there, too, the wonder and the vulnerability, the joy and the fear, being glad to the brink of fear. Our warm, commodious houses and spacious towns cannot forever obscure the fact that they are built on a planet, a blue boat home, swimming in the frightful hollows of space. And each time I connect with beauty, each time I wake up to the realization that I am alive, I wake up also to this beautiful, frightening, wondrous, scary, awesome reality. How awesome is that? Why would I ever want to miss that uniquely powerful joy, that perfect exhilaration that can only exist on the brink of fear? We like to think that we're standing on solid ground, but the truth is, if you'll allow me to call on another metaphor, the truth is that each one of us is walking on water. That's what existence is. We're walking on water. And like Jesus' disciple Peter, who only took a couple steps, we will eventually sink beneath the waves. And some may call this losing the battle. Others will note that however briefly a lifetime, we were walking on water and call it a miracle. And the wisest part of me knows that I don't wish to reach the end of my life with this nagging thought that something very rich and interesting and strange and beautiful and frightening and wondrous and exhilarating had been available to me, was floating there over many years on the fringes of my conscious mind, something I was experiencing and yet was not quite experiencing, a journey I was on and yet not ever quite convinced I was on, so firmly planted were my feet that beauty itself was there all along just waiting for me to lean my head back just slightly while I traveled through life with my gaze lowered so intent on fulfilling the next task. Mary Oliver puts it this way in a poem entitled, When Death Comes. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Married to amazement, she writes, I want to realize I am alive, which, yes, comes with a recognition that life is not forever. But, oh, my goodness, 
to be able to participate, to be included in this with the hills and the trees and the puddles at twilight under clouded skies and the red-winged blackbirds and the crows that greet us each morning, the whales that appear just off the coast and the starfish and the fruit trees and the flowers of so many kinds and colors and the people and the smiles and the stories and the connections all swimming unpiloted through the frightful hollows of space. Wake now my senses and hear the earth call. Feel the deep power of being in all. Keep with the web of creation your vow, giving, receiving, as love shows us how. I invite you to rise as you are willing and able and join in singing number 298, Wake Now My Senses in our gray hymnal, or you may follow the words on the screen. <laughs> 